You're listening to the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesner and Angelo Luciani, episode 65. Here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, Dwayne and I chat with Michael Haig about Nutanix.com. We discuss the latest software release, Nutanix Playground, HTTP Task, and a Jenkins plugin. Let's join the conversation. Today, we are welcoming back Michael Haig. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dwayne. Um, this should be really riveting since this is round number two for you know, kind of an inside joke, but we had recorded this once before and the Skype gods ate the recording. Um, so uh, with that, it should be better, but I feel that my mental energies, like I was really witty and amazing on the first round, so I don't know if I can do that again, but we'll uh, we'll see where this goes. I'm sure you'll be your lovely self. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we are talking about Nutanix Kiyom, also known as Calm, um, as other people like to call, call it, like basically the whole company. Um, so it's been a while since we've talked about Calm on the podcast. We had Andrew Nelson on uh, way back in the day. And uh, we just I think there was just a software update as well that just came out. So a couple of things to, I guess, to chat about, but maybe uh, if you want to give a brief overview for, for new time listeners on what Nutanix.com is, and then we can go from there. All right, cool. Yeah, sounds good. So Nutanix.com is a cloud application lifecycle manager. So it allows you to model your applications in a easy to consume blueprint fashion. And then deploy those applications across, you know, your on-prem equipment or all the main public clouds. And then it also allows you to uh, manage the applications throughout their entire lifecycle. And where does it sit? Do you install the software in a virtual machine or how do I start using it? It uh, runs right within Prism Central. So you do, you do have to go and click Enable, um, and it'll actually spin up a couple of Docker containers uh, within Prism Central. So there's not really any additional, you know, other than clicking Enable uh, and behind the scenes spinning up the Docker containers, there's no, you know, software to install or anything like that. So you can get up and running in five to ten minutes. So pretty easy. Are there additional RAM re requirements? Can I just go off and click this thing, or do I need to be aware of? Yeah, it does. It does bump up the RAM a little bit, like by four gigs or so. Um, so it, it allows you know the system be able to manage everything for you that way. So it, w it will take a little bit more RAM, but not a whole lot. Yeah, I was kind of someone was chirping about um, CVM requirements and other. You know, other competitors, RAM requirements, and I kind of felt like it doesn't really matter that much, like 32, 24 gigs of RAM. That's kind of like the old 512, like, you know, oh, we'll never need more, but RAM keeps getting cheaper and we keep using more of it. So I don't, you know, just in general. So four yeah. gigs sure doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, especially compared <clears> to <throat> some of our competitors, right, where you have to spin up a couple of VMs. Uh, you, you're talking a lot more than, than four gigs at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I guess there's probably a wild um, variety in that space, in the automation space. Mm -hmm. The 
Um, what I would kind of, there were some updates around other management platforms that Calm is supporting. So um, I think AWS and GCP were already there. What were some of the other ones that have been recently added? Yeah, so Azure was added uh, last fall. Um, and that includes, you know, the, all the, the government clouds as well. Uh, in addition for AWS, you could do GovCloud too. And then we, the other big th- thing was the Kubernetes support. Uh, so you can now deploy you know, pods and deplo- deployments and services uh, using Calm onto your Kubernetes clusters. And so as far as the Kubernetes support goes, can you, you just pick an existing cluster? Are there any requirements around that? Can I deploy it to Carbon or does it have to be something else? Uh, yeah, yeah, you can definitely uh, deploy it to Carbon. Really any, any CNCF certified Kubernetes cluster, uh, which obviously Carbon is. Um, but if you have like a GKE cluster or some other you know, on-prem uh, Kubernetes cluster, as long as it's CNCF certified, you'll be able to register it within Calm uh, and start deploying to it. So you'd, you know, the the provider. So you have a blueprint. You're deploying some virtual machines now. Maybe you can also deploy containers in the same one, or or is it just one or the other? No, you can actually do, uh, you know, all within the same blueprint. So you could have, uh, you know, within a single blueprint, you could have a VM get spun up. You could be talking to an existing machine uh, and some Kubernetes, you know, deployments and services. That seems like a good stepping stone anyway. I can't think of anywhere where someone just does a rip and replace of their whole environment. You know, I'm doing containers today. Go away, virtual machines that I've been using for, you know, the last 10 years. I don't need you anymore. Yeah, I think that's spot on, right? And especially something like a a database, right? While Kubernetes databases have come a long ways recently, there's still, uh, you know, still a lot to be shown to have them be successful in production, things like that. So I think you'll see that more and more, kind of that hybrid environment. Yeah, I think the the persistent use case is still still hard in that realm, at least, you know, yeah, you can get it up and running, but then uh, persistent data is also mean, how am I protecting it? So I think those things still, the apps that live or protect themselves at their own application layer are probably well-suited, but old school <laughs> SQL stuff, mm-hmm. probably not so much. Yeah, exactly. But never, never say never. Um, I guess is that that's the mantra. <laughs> the how easy. So if I'm running and I've seen this question come up a couple of times now is where and I think some old school thinking about how I can manage or move containers from one space to the other. But at least from a redeployment process, can I? Is it easy to take my on-prem blueprint, uh, my Kubernetes cluster, and a couple of VMs, and then switch that over to say GCP um, using the same blueprint? Like, yeah, or is so, there a lot of rework? No, it's it's pretty. You know, to, as of today, so you're talking about saying you have a, a blueprint created with you know AHB in mind, and you want to switch it over to one of the public cloud providers. Yeah, that yeah. would be. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, really. Uh, we have this idea of an application profile, uh, and what you can do is just clone that, and then you you switch the target, you know, cloud from you know, say your on-prem to whatever public cloud it is, 
And then you'll just essentially have to fill out the the things that are specific to that cloud, right? So instead of you know an AHV, you might define a, a VM with with two vCPUs and four gigs of memory. And now if you're splitting it over to you know, GCP, then you have to give the corresponding you know machine instance size. Um, but all the scripts and everything will will get copied over with that clone. So it, it's pretty trivial to update it to add a, a new cloud. Well, that's that's pretty pretty sweet then. At least as far as if you're consuming one for, I've seen it both go both ways. I guess like some people using on-prem for testing, pushing to cloud for production, or and vice versa, depending on how it the the use case is. I guess for the company. So that that's good to see and add in. Um, along with that, there was also an addition of a task library. Where mm-hmm. does that fit into the blueprint? Yeah, that's so. the The task library is uh, a way that you can, if you have any sort of commonly used tasks, right? So maybe performing some machine updates or adding a machine to Active Directory, for instance, something that you find yourself doing regularly across different blueprints. Uh, you can publish that into the task library, and then it it makes the kind of cloning process simple. So if you you're building a new blueprint, or you have a machine that you want to add to Active Directory, uh, you just import from the task library. So uh, you don't have to have some sort of separate, you know, script repository. This might be my showing the last time I did serious programming, but would you say the the task library is like you're you're inserting a function or a, you know that snippet into? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a very good analogy. So then, as I'm changing the task, it, I don't have to go through all the blueprints and change it. Um, so right now today it's, uh, it's more of a copy paste. Um, so essentially they're copying the, the target, uh, the, the source, uh, and then it's pasting it into the blueprint there. And that allows you, so there's advantages and disadvantages that way. It allows you to kind of modify things, um, specific to that blueprint. Um, so maybe if, uh, you know, you, you want to add it to active directory and then do this one other step, like change the host name or something like that. Um, it, it so as of today, it it allows a little bit more uh, you know customization. So it doesn't actually um, you know in your function example, it, it's not just calling a function like that. It's more of a copy and paste. Yeah, I guess then maybe insert is better. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, at least you have a common area to grab it. I guess is probably the key. Just like the the public blueprints. You know, it's not like it's going to, they update theirs. It's not going to update your blueprint and you wouldn't want it to. So that's, there's some advantages there for sure. Uh, I was like early on with Com and the whole, you know, DevOps. And then I always kind of get my, my underwear in a knot when people try to make every tool on the world, a DevOps thing. Um, But I can see now where Com is definitely... I would position it more for DevOps now than I ever would before because, you know, we're we're bridging a world with developers now with containers and also with the the plugin for Jenkins that was just added also seems kind of irrelevant for for this uh, this topic or area. Yeah, I uh, I actually just uh, I'm right in the process of writing a, a blog post where I'm integrating Jenkins into Calm, and it allows, essentially, I will update my, you know, Git repository and do a Git commit and then do a Git push, and that will trigger my Jenkins build, 
And then, uh, you know, Jenkins will build the new Docker container, push the Docker container up to Docker Hub. And then the last step of the Jenkins build is to call a Calm Blueprint, or you could have it call it uh, an application action. And so really any of those, you know, options, either deploy a new app or, or update your existing containers uh, on your existing app. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's just like you describing it and kind of if you hadn't been in IT in a while or for a while, it's just like there's just so many steps where you could kind of go wrong. Like you, you can see why where you you definitely want to be automating these things instead of manual tasks. Yeah, uh. definitely. And and not only that, it's like, you know, a developer, if, if they want to test their new code, you know, they they want to be able to test it quickly. Right. They don't want to have to go and request uh a new setup based on their new containers uh, with IT, you know, with this sort of automated process, uh, they can have their new app, you know, up and running in 10 to 15 minutes. And so that they can go perform tests on it right away. You can, I know the other thing that makes me think about are, you know, bare metal versus virtual machines for uh, Kubernetes. But in this type of a use case where you're testing, and, you know, some of the namespace stuff still kind of lacking uh, in that area. You could see where if you had like these smaller sets of virtualized Kubernetes clusters that, you know, a developer or maybe a smaller set of developers could own mm-hmm. and kind of create their 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 calm. Uh, I want to say mess, but that's probably not the right word to use. But anyway, their their landing zone for testing um, where that would be pretty beneficial. Yeah, for sure. I think that's becoming more and more common too, right? Like a lot of small Kubernetes clusters in this environment. Um, just because Kubernetes doesn't have a, a great way really to, to segregate things yet. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it'll change. But yeah, it's kind of what I've seen. But I wouldn't, fortunately, <laughs> I, I kind of like see it on the side of my plate. I don't really get to as much hands-on as I would like. Um, but that that's interesting. And then on the automation side as well, um, there's been some updates to PowerShell, I believe, with Calm, um, as far as getting it up and running and working. Yeah, you no longer originally uh, you had to have kind of like a PowerShell broker, uh, another Windows VM that would actually send the PowerShell commands to uh, the newly provisioned VMs. Uh, and they've actually written uh, a, a PowerShell. Uh, it utilizes the WinRM service on the target machines, and that way it will just kind of directly run PowerShell commands. So you don't have to have that that middleman any longer. Well, that's good. Um, and if you're really worried about the licensing guys, one less thing to uh, to worry about. Yeah, exactly. As I had to reinstall a licensing server for GPUs. Uh, for NVIDIA, and I was just thinking, man, like, why would anyone install this on Windows? But I totally was a guy five years ago that would be totally installing it on Windows. So, um, <laughs> mind you, I, I didn't have to pay or worry about the licensing cost back then either, so I probably didn't care. But, um, um, yeah, so I think I think those are the high-level things. Actually, you know what? One thing that made me laugh that's probably the most important one for a lot of people, um, and I'll get your take on it, is the the icons for the blueprints, for the custom <laughs> ones. Yeah. 
Yeah, so the the marketplace now uh, allows you to when you go and publish uh, a blueprint into the marketplace, uh, it allows you to upload those custom icons. And yeah, it seems like a, a smaller kind of trivial thing, but uh, it it really makes the you know the marketplace look a lot nicer and cleaner, and you can identify things quickly. It's I kind of almost put it on the same level as putting stickers on your laptop. Yeah, it's yeah. like you gotta you gotta have it branded and make it personal, and that's. That's your baby. That's right. Your blueprint baby. <laughs> uh, the other, some other things I saw were kind of interesting on the comm side were some of the pre-built blueprints. And I don't know if you get to spend a lot of time running them or demoing them, but the app scale seemed interesting to me, but I don't know a lot about it. I don't know if you've had a chance to play with that. Yeah, I actually haven't gotten a chance to play with that one now. Yeah, it's on my it's on my to do list, and also some of the the other machine learning ones from a on the cloud side. But there's yeah. just a, a lot going on. So hopefully, you know, when the the time opens up, whenever the heck that's going to be, I don't know. But <laughs> one day, yeah, I think the one I I use probably the most actually is the the Jenkins uh, blueprint, especially with with the work I've been doing with the Jenkins plugin. Uh, it's pretty nice to be able to spin up you know, Jenkins servers uh, in a couple minutes. Do you see or talk to people that go through um, in existing environments with the Brownfield application support and kind of retooling or you know re seeing how they manage their environments? Yeah, I've I've talked to a, a couple customers there utilizing that. I think it is pretty uh, kind of a, a less used function within Calm than than some other things, right? I, I don't talk to a ton of customers there using it. Um, generally, they're just kind of you know building new applications. But but I, I have talked to some customers there using it successfully. Do you just think it's uh, I'm going to start fresh with a a new a new way of doing things and not worry about the old way for that, for that use case or just, just the applications don't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's more, I'm just going to start fresh. And then, um, you know, on top of that, even within the kind of custom blueprints, we can still tie into existing machines. So depending on what you're trying to do, um, you can still even use a normal blueprint, uh, the tie into kind of brownfield application. So. But I think, you know, for the most part, it's just the fact that, you know, customers are getting started with Calm and they're figuring out what they can automate and which, you know, new applications they can use to deploy onto. Okay, makes sense. Um, that uh, This is going to sound kind of scary, at least if you're someone that has to do a lot of work for it, but Nutanix.next North America is rolling around the corner <laughs> probably already soon. Yeah. Uh, do you... Do you have plans for submitting a session or some, you know, interesting ideas that you might bring to the public there? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So uh, I think we'll see. I, I definitely have submitted some ideas around our, our cloud native stack, right? So carbon plus buckets plus era all together and then, you know, using Calm to, to deploy. So uh, we'll, we'll see if I'm, you know, selected as a speaker there. Um, but that's kind of the... The big thing I'm, I'd say, I'm excited about for dot next. That that seems uh, pretty interesting to me. Um, on that front, I don't really. That's kind of the, what I had as far as covering new things within Calm. Did you have anything that's been coming up quite a bit on the that you're working with or on the customer side? 
Um, I would say, I guess, one <laughs> plug in one other new feature on Calm that, that just recently came out uh, is the, there, well, I guess I should say two things. Um, a support for our HTTP task. So for a while, we've been able to use uh, eScript, which is like a Python interpreter. Uh, to make HTTP calls. And you can still do it that way if you're more comfortable that way. But we now have a new task called HTTP. And it allows you to make REST API calls using uh, like dropdowns, dropdown fields. So if you're more comfortable with that versus programming, um, that's a pretty cool uh, new feature. And then the other piece uh, that I'm excited about that I I've already used a bunch is the uh, kind of Calm Playground. So if you ever spent a bunch of time building a Calm Blueprint, uh, and you know, the app, maybe your application takes you know 15 or 20 minutes to deploy, and you realize you had a, a typo you know, at the very last script, and it caused, caused your deployment to fail, um, you'd have to you know, redeploy. And it's not the end of the world, but that's 20 minutes that you, you have lost. So, so now we have the, this way to uh, run your scripts um, kind of right within the Blueprint Canvas. So you can test things out and make sure it's uh, ready to go before deployment. Oh man, if you, well, you know me. And so you could understand that I probably have like multiple typos yeah. in my blueprints <laughs> where I'm wasting a lot of time with my, my fat fingers. So that's, that's awesome. On the, the first part that you mentioned, <clears throat> uh, the HTTP task. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, um, I was thinking what on the dropdown part, how does it know how to fill in the rest because that seems very interesting yeah it just it does like the the common things that are required with uh you know an api call so it has a payload body right it has uh, a bunch of header fields um and and kind of if you're familiar with calm it's the same set of format where you know you type in one header field and uh, a new little box will will appear below it so you can keep adding you know however many you see fit um, and obviously it has your, your, your URL field and, and it has a couple other uh, freeform fields, things like that. So uh, they, they've done a pretty good job of kind of considering all, all the various use cases. And, you know, I'm sure maybe there's, there's some very, you know, corner cases that wouldn't work for it, and, in which case you can always fall back to the, the e-script way of doing things. Yeah, no thanks is what <laughs> comes to my mind. Like, man, I have to try it out because... If you have a little experience with doing APIs, this seems like a pretty easy way. And once again, my fat fingers kind of get out of the equation a little bit more. Um, yeah, I just want to get just want to get it done. So yeah, it's nice. I mean, you ever use Postman? It's kind of think of it like that, right? Just built in to the UI, so it makes it pretty simple for you. Nice. Um, well, with with that, I think it's probably time to bring in trusty old friend Angelo to uh, stump you with some of All the right. world's hardest questions in <laughs> trivia. Yeah, good. And Michael, you've answered these already on our first recording that went sideways. So let's see if you're consistent with your answers <laughs> or... <All right>. uh, <laughs> Or if I have to switch up the uh, questions. But with that, I got three questions, and these are just rapid fire, just so folks can get to know you on a personal level a little bit better. So here we go. iOS or Android? Uh, Android, but I'm, I'm not a diehard about it. <laughs> Good. Favorite app? Favorite app? Um, 
Yeah, that was a hard one. I think it was. I had a hard time uh, picking this last time as well. I'd say probably probably Reddit on my phone. I I like reading the the college basketball and college football subreddits in particular. Cool. And finally, ebooks or physical books? Um, I I, I use ebooks primarily just from the uh, convenience uh, factor. I like my Kindle Paperwhite. I can read it at night without having a light on. I can mm-hmm. take it to the gym, uh, that sort of thing. So. Cool. But I, I do appreciate a good physical book now and again, but yeah, it's Feb. It's February. Are you still doing the gym thing? <laughs> yeah, it's still early February. Give it. Give me another week or two. We'll wow, see. wow, role model. <laughs> cool. I I want to ask one. Add one question on to the end. Sure. Favorite game, either digital or board. Hmm. I would say right now it's got to be Super Smash Bros. They released a new one for the Switch. So that's been taking up uh, a lot of my my free time these days. Unfortunately, my question does have a right and a wrong answer. And the correct (laughs) answer was Oregon Trail. So, Uh, sorry. I'll I'll try better next time. Uh, Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and giving an update on all of the new things in Calm. Um, And we look forward to uh, sharing this with everyone else. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to check out the Nutanix online community at next.nutanix.com for resources, blogs, and continuing the conversation in our forums. We'll have links in the show notes to where you can find videos and resources about Nutanix.com. So with that, from the team here at Nutanix, have a great week.